Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up out of the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Amen. So today, as we've been saying, is Baptism of the Lord's Sunday. It's a Sunday in the church year where we reflect on Jesus' baptism, and it's also a time when we remember our baptism. It's hard for me to forget my baptism, and it's not because I was aware that it was happening. I had no idea that it was happening. I was a baby. Um, it's not because there were a lot of pictures taken, because I don't think I've ever seen a single photo of my baptism. But it's because during my baptism, something happened that turned into one of those stories that gets told on holidays. You know the stories that I'm talking about? They usually begin with, hey, do you remember that time? And then they usually end with something that was really mortifying at the time. But now it's funny because it happened a long enough time ago. I know a lot of you have these stories because I hang out with the youth group, <laughs> and plenty of these stories have been shared by them. So my parents drove to the very Catholic city of Boston to have me baptized at the very Catholic St. Hedwig's Church so that my very Catholic grandparents could be present, and my parents were trying their best to look very Catholic in front of my grandparents even though they were very much avoiding the conversation of which church to raise their kids in. So my parents walked into the church with baby Jeff and my brother, who was probably about three at the time, and my very Catholic grandparents, who assumed that this was a regular occurrence for the Babetuses. And my brother started looking around in the quiet sanctuary, and then eventually he got really excited, and he said, Mom, is this the movies? <laughs> thus blowing their cover. <laughs> Come to think of it, most of our holiday stories involve my brother or me as kids yelling something inappropriate in an echoey Catholic church. I think that's why we eventually settled on Protestantism. There's just better carpeting. <laughs> Muffles the sound. So the first thing my mom did when we got back home to New York was call a church and ask about membership. So this morning we're talking about remembering our baptism. And I tell this story just to say that you may have memories of your baptism, but you may not. Or you may have dozens and dozens of pictures of your baptism, you may not. You may have embarrassing stories or funny stories or heartwarming stories or no stories. But remembering your baptism isn't dependent on any of these things. It's what it means for us now. It's what it means for us in the present. And to get at what our baptism means for us now in the present, I want to talk about Jesus' baptism. So, 
We're told that Jesus goes to the Jordan River to be baptized by a guy named John. A little bit of background about John. He's one of Jesus' cousins. He hangs out in the wilderness where he wears camel hair and a rough leather belt. And he spends his days preaching and eating bugs and wild honey. We all have that slightly off cousin, don't we? In the first service, Chris Ellis was like, it's me. I'm that cousin. (laughs) We regard this John guy, rightfully we regard this John guy as one of the heroes of our faith. But it's important to not forget how weird, maybe undignified he was for the people who were first interacting with him. And one of the things that was sort of a hallmark of John's preaching was that he kept on talking about how much better Jesus was than him. Even though he was drawing crowds, he just kept on saying, there is someone who's coming after me who is so far greater than me, so far more important than I am. In fact, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie this guy's sandals for him. So Jesus goes to be baptized by him, and John is naturally taken aback because one of the main points of his sermons is that Jesus is better than him, greater than him, more important than him. So John says to Jesus, no, you need to baptize me. In other words, you're the greater party here. I'm the lesser party. You're better than me in every possible way. But Jesus insists. And when I first started thinking about this text for this week, this question kept on popping into my head, which is, why did Jesus insist on being baptized? Because this was one of those times when I had a question and then the passage answers that question, but I was a little more confused after reading the answer. Because this is what happens. John says, no, 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 no. You're the one who should baptize me. Why should I baptize you? And this is Jesus' answer. He says, it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. That's the answer. (laughs) I felt like I was asking Jesus why he was being baptized, and he said, because it is, propo- because it is proper to fulfill all righteousness. And I was left saying, cool, okay, follow-up question. What? <laughs> because seriously, what does to fulfill all righteousness even mean? Well, if we look at the rest of Jesus' ministry, we see a pattern. And it's that Jesus seems to equate righteousness or holiness or justice with humility and submission. So he's God, but he becomes human. He's holy, but he eats with people who do awful things. He forgives the people who crucify him. He washed Judas's feet, knowing that Judas was about to sell him out and have him arrested and executed. So I think that when Jesus says that his baptism is about fulfilling righteousness, it's like he's setting that precedent. That there's something about baptism that involves humility. Even before your weird cousin that hangs out in the woods and eats bugs. Jesus never operated under the assumption that someone was beneath him or that he was better than anyone else. And he's driving that point here, early on, even in his baptism. Something else happens in Jesus' baptism, though. It's kind of hard to gloss over. It might be the elephant in the room for some of you. The sky is ripped open. And then God's spirit descends on Jesus, and a voice comes out of the sky saying, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. 
And this is strange, even aside from the whole sky being ripped open thing and God's voice calling out from the sky. Because first of all, notice that God is really laying it on pretty thick here. Because God could have said, this is my son. But then God adds, this is my son, the beloved. And then God adds, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. Whenever I read something like this, about, I think about how my friends make fun of me whenever I recommend a movie or book or TV show. And it's because I never say something like, oh yeah, that show's really good. I have a tendency to oversell everything. <laughs> so instead I'll say something like, that show is the single greatest work of art in the history of television, and everyone will universally love it, and if you don't start watching it tonight, you'll regret it for the rest of your existence. <laughs> I'm relieved to know that God apparently does the same thing. God's doing it right here. This is my son, my beloved son, my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. But there's another thing happening here. And it's this phrase, well pleased. It could also mean something along the lines of the one I give preference to. And this is bizarre because it's a strange thing to be said hot on the heels of a display of extreme humility, isn't it? Jesus submits to an act that indicates that he doesn't think of anyone as beneath him, but then there's God's voice calling from the sky saying, I give preference to you. And so if we pull this whole thing together, I think that what we see in Jesus' baptism is that baptism is a paradox. Baptism is a paradox, and I think that the same can be said of our baptism. It's a paradox. It's a reminder that we're claimed as more loved than we'll ever know or understand, and at the same time, it's a reminder that we're baptized in the name of one who never looked at another human being and thought they were beneath him. So whether you have pictures or not, whether you have memories or not, whether you have stories or not, Remembering your baptism this morning means that you're personally invited to remember that you are baptized into a paradox. Whether you feel it or claim it or not, you are deeply loved by a God who is pleased by you, but that can't be fodder for feeling that anyone that we encounter is beneath us. And so in just a moment, you'll be invited to come to one of these bowls of water in the front of the sanctuary and remember your baptism. And not necessarily the stories or the pictures in a scrapbook or on your phone somewhere, but to remember that you're baptized into this paradox. You may want to make the sign of a cross on your forehead with the water or take one of the shells in the bowl as a reminder of your baptism. But as you do that, Maybe you need to remember the name that God has given you that you keep forgetting. And what I mean by that is maybe you're haunted by your failures or your shortcomings or the names that other people have called you out of anger or spite or insecurity. Maybe you need to take a shell with you as a physical reminder that your name is actually beloved or God's child or chosen. Or as you come forward, maybe you need to remember a person or a group of people that you're convinced are completely beneath you. It's the person or the people about whom you think, I'm so glad I'm nothing like them. 
The people that you're convinced aren't as good as you because they're not as smart as you or holy as you or rich as you or they don't dress like you or speak the same language as you or vote like you. Maybe you need to take a shell as a physical reminder that you're baptized in the name of one who never looked at anyone this way, even when they were lying to his face, even when they were killing him. Jesus' baptism is a paradox. Our baptism is a paradox. So let the water this morning teach you and remind you that we simply can't look at somebody as beneath us because we're baptized in Jesus' name. And also, let the water remind you that there may be a thousand voices out there calling you a thousand different names, but the one that matters the most yells to you that you're a beloved child of the God who made you and never leaves you. Amen? Amen. Amen.